Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. We are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual journey and look forward to helping you discover God's plan for your life. To find more messages like this, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast feeds. To stay connected with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the handle CCGF01 and check out our website, ccgf.org, for all of this information and more. Now, here is this week's message, grace and peace to you. A couple of family life announcements as we get started this morning. The first is this. Um, we have um, the pastor project that's been ongoing, meeting with smaller groups of people in the life of the church. I've met a lot of you through that, and I'm looking forward to meeting even more of you. There are two opportunities this month, one on Wednesday, another on September 25th. So if you haven't been a part of the pastor project, come on out. They're great nights. I would love to meet you and spend some time with you. The second thing I want to tell you is we are having prayer services here on Wednesday evening evenings. We had over 170 people gathered for prayer outdoors uh, this past Wednesday. Great stuff. This is how a movement begins. So if you haven't participated in those, come on out. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for our community. We're praying over the church. We'd love to have you with us. Speaking of prayer, let's pray. God, um, as we do consider this kingdom, we pray that the truths of your reign would be etched in our hearts today. I pray, Lord, that your kingdom and its value would be crystal clear for everyone who is here with us today. I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, 2020, to say the least, has been a um, memorable year, don't you think? I'm a secret guilty pleasure. I enjoy memes on the internet. I want to show you a few memes that came across that encapsulate 2020. Here's the first one. But wait, there's more. Kind of feels that way, right? Or how about this? I like this one with the cup. 2020 kind of feels like that, right? (laughs) Fill it up and it just takes your eye out. But look at this. Look at the effect that 2020 has had on Matthew McConaughey. This is compelling. (laughs) That's what's happening in America. But really, I would say this. It's a lot like being up by a few touchdowns at halftime of the Super Bowl. Only to have Tom Brady, of course, come along and ruin everything. That's what 2020 has felt like. It's all Tom Brady's fault. We always think that, don't we? Especially as we begin the football season. Go Steelers. So, yeah, 2020 has obviously not been the year that maybe many anticipated it would be. A global pandemic, racial unrest, political tension, wildfires, tropical storms, murder hornets. The list goes on and on and on. Hey, the, the, we've talked about this in previous weeks, the, the lost opportunity to celebrate or more. I mean, 2020, if we're really honest, we're laughing about it, but that's only because laughter is the best medicine. The truth of the matter is this year has been very challenging and difficult. And if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, I've talked to many of you, there are moments where you feel anxious about the future and what's happening in light of 2020. I mean, you might be wondering, what's our economic future? What's gonna happen to the economy? You may be wondering politically, where are the nations headed? Culturally, where are we headed? Where, Where are things going? You have questions about what the future holds. Not only that, the real question I think that really we're asking in our hearts is this, is there any hope for the future? Big question, 2020 has been a year 
And it's not even over yet. And we're facing all sorts of challenges. You know, I think this new series, The Kingdom, it's like this, is perfectly timed to address the questions of a 2020 people. We're going to be talking about the kingdom, the big word behind me. And and the kingdom is something that's referenced in the Gospels. Get this, 126 times alone in the Gospels. Do you think that if the Gospels mention the kingdom 126 times, we should pay attention? Listen, in the book of Matthew, just book of Matthew, 55 times the word kingdom is referenced, spoken often by Jesus. We're going to be in the book of Matthew throughout this seven-week series looking at the kingdom. Now, let's start with a baseline question that says, what is the kingdom? Let me define it for you very simply. The kingdom is the reign of God in Christ. The kingdom is the reign of God and Christ. And I'll point you to a good scripture to memorize as we begin this series. It's Psalm 103, verse 19. That scripture says this, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of heaven. And I believe as we consider 2020 and we wonder about the future, the very thing that we should be focused on is the kingdom of God. His reign, his action, his lordship, his governance. This is the hope of the Christian. And I want to point something out. Yeah, the scripture says uh, that, that, that the kingdom of and reign of God is, is established in his throne in heaven. But the kingdom of God is not just up there. You know, we we tend to think of it being up there. No, I believe this. The point of the kingdom is that we might be the material reality of Christ in this world. We just prayed together the Lord's Prayer. And what do we say? Thy kingdom come. As it is in heaven, here on earth. That's our prayer. And so the point of the kingdom is not that it would exist up there, but that we as believers of Jesus, followers of Jesus, might be the material reality of the kingdom of the world. And so we bear witness to his reality, to the reality of his kingdom in this world. We do that in society, through our jobs, our families, our schools, with our money, yes, with our money even. We bear witness to the kingdom of God. So, We're in a 2020 world, right? What does the future hold? Is there any hope for the future? We're wondering all these things. Listen, the kingdom of God is greater than everything, everything that stands between you and never-ending life and joy. That's the fact of the matter. The kingdom of God is greater than all that, greater than anything, everything that we're facing. That long list I went over. It's greater than the things that stand between you and me and never-ending life and joy if, and this is a big if, if you will cherish it more than anything else. That's the point, I believe, one of the points of the parables that we're going to share here today from Matthew 13. It's a big question. Will we, will you cherish the kingdom of God more than anything. That's the real question. Let's examine ourselves as we sit in this scripture today. 
during this season, we're going to be looking at parables. Many of you are familiar with parables. They're prominent in this series because of the, the nature of the teaching we're going to have. Jesus uses parables to help us understand how the kingdom is established. That, that's very important to understand. Jesus uses parables, these, these teachings, to help us understand how the kingdom is established. And, and, and these parables are extended me- metaphors or comparisons to help us understand how the kingdom is, 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 is uh, brought into this world. They're designed to bring about a new awareness of the kingdom, these metaphors and comparisons. It's a form of instruction that's very important for us in the pro- proclamation of the gospel. These, these parables are artistic in nature, which makes them actually very challenging to understand sometimes. We're going to talk about three verses today. Talking about this entire time of teaching, three verses, they're going to carry us through. And these parables are important to help us imagine the kind of community that we must be, we must be in order to survive and thrive in this world. So we're going to get into it again. You know, Tim did a great job reading the parable already to you. There's actually two parables. I'm going to read them again because, listen, many are the buried treasures that are hidden in the fields of Scripture. You can't read it enough, my friends. So let's go into it right now. Again, in Matthew 13, pick it up in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. So today, as we talk about these parables, I'm going to address three different audiences. The first audience is the Christian. Yeah, I'm talking to you. We talk to the Christian. If you're someone who follows Christ, I want to address you first as we look at this parable. I mean, the quick summary is this. Person finds treasure in a field, goes and sells everything he has to purchase the field. And then the second parable, uh, a man uh, seeks pearls, finds one of great value, sells everything, and purchases the pearl. Pretty simple, right? I believe that the purpose, the lesson here for us is this. If the kingdom costs you everything you have, it is worth it. That's the basic lesson here. If the kingdom costs you everything, all you own, then it is absolutely worth it. The man purchased the field with joy. Did you catch that? He saw it as a happy trade-off. Everything he owned for the treasure. Everything that was owned for the pearl. It's a happy trade-off. It reminds me of Philippians, where Paul addresses the church there in Philippi. Chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Listen to what he says. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. It's all worth it. Whatever I've gained for the kingdom of God is worth it, he says. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. To know Jesus is more valuable than anything, he says, in everything. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage. Everything compared to Jesus is garbage, he says, so that I may gain Christ. I'll tell you this, though. Nothing is as unyielding as a price tag. Nothing's as unyielding as a price tag. You know this to be true. 
We're, 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 we're the typical Americans. Tell you a story that happened to my family. Uh, my daughter celebrated her birthday this past summer. And for her birthday, she told us that she had one wish. She wanted a pair of shoes, a pair of tennis shoes. But these weren't just any tennis shoes. Evidently, they're Adidas NMDs. Ever heard of these? Okay, some fancy shoe. And she told she wanted, okay, okay, that sounds good. Let's take a look at these shoes. Well, these shoes cost $140. I said, you ain't getting those shoes. My name ain't Rockefeller. I mean, come on, $140 for a pair of shoes. And so we said, no, no, we're not, we, don't, we don't play that way. We're not getting $140 shoes. Well, she decided that she really wanted these shoes. So she went to the family. She, over, she went over my head. Went to the family, the aunts and uncles, the grandparents, and says, hey, I really want these shoes. If you will go and buy them together, I'll accept no other gifts, just that one gift. I want those shoes. And so the family did it. They went in with their money, pulled their money together, and they bought these shoes, and she has these $140 shoes. So if you see her in those shoes, don't you judge me. I did not buy them. The family pulled their money together, and they bought the shoes for her, okay? You know, here's the thing. She really wanted those shoes. Lucy wanted those shoes. Lucy thought this. If something, uh, if something is worth the price, you pay it anyways. If it means I only get one gift, it's okay, because I really want those shoes. Objects of genuine value do not come cheaply. And so she said, I'll sacrifice all the gifts. I want that gift. I think that's a, a pretty good illustration of this, of this parable. But Christian, I want to give you a warning. You may understand that the, the gift, the treasure of Christ is worth it all. But there's a warning that's inherent in this passage that I want to pass on you, and that's this. Items of genuine value are always in danger of being impersonated by imitations. Always. You ever hear of counterfeit money? You ever go to New York City and, and see those purse women, ladies, that you could buy that are ripoffs? Yeah, you bought some of those, didn't you? You gave your hard-earned cash. You could always buy some of those. Hey, I bet there's a fake Adidas NMDs out there. I should have looked into that. See if I could dupe the child. There's always fakes. There's always imitations when there's something that's of genuine value. Hey, there are fake Oreo cookies. You ever been to Aldi's? <laughs> My wife loves Aldi's. And so we've got fake Oreos. We've got fake corn, corn chips. We've got fake Teddy Grahams in our house. You know where I draw a line? Ketchup. I will not eat fake ketchup. What a bunch of yinzers, right? Nothing but Heinz. Nothing but Heinz. There's no imitations. Get that out of here. Get that out of my sight. I don't want to see that ketchup. <laughs> Imitation Christianity looks surprisingly like the real thing. I got to say, those Oreos are pretty close to the real thing from Aldi. Try them, you'll see. Imitations are often surprisingly like the real thing. And this is true in Christianity. Just enough truth, just enough truth to make it attractive. Also, just enough error to ensure that it'll never, ever deliver on the real thing. There, there's a form of the gospel out there, maybe you're familiar with this, called, called health and wealth prosperity gospel. 
that promises just that, health and wealth. If, if you are faithful, God will bless you financially. God will give you good health. Look, I look at the gospel and I don't see that. That seems to be an imitation. We don't, we don't follow Christ so that we can get something out of it. Right? That's not what we do. It's an imitation. It's like a fake Oreo. And so wealth can be one of those distractions that's an imitation. So can also achievement. Some of us buy into achievement. And we say, hey, I'll, I'll go all in for that. If I, if, I can, if I can get to the next level, if I can get a certain status, then I want that. Some of us, it's for acceptance. And so we will go after an imitation. We'll bow down. We'll, 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 we'll pay whatever cost it takes so we can have the affluence, we can have the achievement, we can have the status, we can have the acceptance, all those things. The kingdom, the true kingdom, costs you everything, and it is worth it. There's a man that, that lived in the 20th century named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Some of you are familiar with Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer talks about costly grace. Costly grace. You know, I think both the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price describe costly grace. And this is the opposite, Bonhoeffer says, of cheap grace. You know what cheap grace is? That's, that's forgiveness without repentance. Repenting of your sin. Turning away from it. Forsaking it. Giving it up. So you can have Christ and his forgiveness. Cheap grace is absolution without personal confession. There's no sacrifice. There's no skin in the game for the Christian. Don't accept the invitation. Don't accept the ripoff. Costly grace costs a person everything. And that starts with repentance. That starts with seeking God through confession of sin. Don't be mistaken. Don't be, don't be ripped off. And so I'd say this, Christian, the point of this parable is to show where our heart is. The point of the parable is to show where your heart is. Where is your heart? You know, there's a, there's a scripture where Jesus says this in Matthew 6, verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So let me ask you, you know, we're talking about treasure and pearls here. Where is your heart? Are you after the things of this world? Is it the money that you're hoping for? Is your hope in, in acceptance? Is your hope in, in some kind of status or achievement? If it is, you're chasing after the wrong thing. That is not the treasure. Jesus is the treasure. Where your heart is, there also your treasure would be. So are you after what's counterfeit? Or are you after what is genuine? Which pearl? Will you make your own? That's the big question for you Christians as we look at this passage. So that's the first audience, talking to, talk to the Christian, the person who follows Christ. The second audience, though, I want to speak to today is the person that I'm going to call the pre-Christian. Some people would say this person's a non-Christian or, or a person who's not a believer. I'm going to choose pre-Christian. Here's why I'm specifically saying that, because my hope is that if you're one of those people who's listening to me right now, if you're online watching this, that your life is hopefully leading up to a point where you will live for Christ, surrender your life to him. 
Confess your sin. Repent and know him. That's the hope. I mean, that's Paul's experience, right? I mean, think about this. In this passage, in this parable, we see that not every person uh, has to be seeking to find God. This is interesting. Did you notice that the treasure was found by one who does not seem to have sought it? He's working in a field, and he stumbles across this treasure. That reminds me of Paul on the road to Damascus, where Paul comes, and he, walking on the road on his donkey, finds Jesus. He discovers him. He, he meets him right there. And so we pray that if you're a pre-Christian, as I'm calling it right now, that you would indeed give your life to Christ. In fact, if you know someone in your life, if you've got a brother or sister, if you've got a spouse, if you've got a friend or a child or a grandchild, whatever it might be, who doesn't know Jesus and you're desperately yearning for them to do so, to know Christ, pray for them. Pray for them like crazy. Knowing that in God's grace, he may just have them stumble upon his presence and know him to see that he is the true treasure in any day, any point. It could happen today. So when we're talking to the person who's a pre-Christian, here's what I would say. This, this passage, I believe, might give us some insight into the thinking of the person who does not consider himself to be a Christian. Okay, so I believe that this, this shows us that some people believe what they believe, which may be no belief at all. They believe what they believe because they're not fully persuaded that it's worthwhile to be different. Here's what I mean. Here's some of the reasons why people don't believe. Maybe if you are a non-Christian, a pre-Christian, you might resonate with some of these. It might be because of intellectual challenges. There's some who, who don't believe because of the presence of evil in the world. There's a disconnect. They see evil in the world and they think, how could God be good? There are others who, who just can't get past the creation of the world. They can't get past that narrative in the Bible. There are some who, who, who don't like the idea of hell. And so they question that, that particular element of Christianity. There are intellectual challenges. Maybe that resonates with you. For some, it's emotional challenges. For some, there have been unanswered prayers throughout the years. Maybe a major unanswered prayer. Others, it's been the way that you were, you were treated by the church. You were hurt by the church, perhaps. Still others have met some Christians that they have deemed to be uh, uh, hypocritical. People who say one thing but live in another way. And so maybe you're listening to this and, and you're a pre-Christian, as I'm calling you, and, and you say, yeah, my, my emotional experience with Christians just hasn't been that good. If that's the case, listen, we're sorry. And, and we're sorry for the way the church has hurt you. We're sorry for the way that, that you've experienced Christianity in a way that perhaps isn't consistent with that of what we preach. We are truly sorry for those things. We hope that through the Lord's grace, you can be healed from those. And then there are others who, who, who say, I want moral independence. And then there are still others who say, issues of sexuality is what keeps me away from the church. Still others, politics. There are a lot of reasons why people do not believe. And I think that some people, again, because of what this parable shows us, some people believe what they believe because they're not fully persuaded due to intellectual reasons or emotional reasons or cultural reasons that it's worthwhile to be a Christian, to be different. 
Do you see it? I want to introduce you then to a person named Alistair McGrath. Alistair McGrath is a former atheist turned Anglican priest, Anglican minister. And he has three Oxford doctorates. This is impressive. I wrote this down. He, he's got a, a doctorate in molecular biophysics, whatever that is. He's got, a, he's got a doctorate in theology. I know what that is. He's got a doctorate in, in intellectual history. He's a very learned person. And in his experience from going from an atheist to a Christian, he's written several books. I got a quote from one of them I want to show you right here. Would you listen to this? Okay, this is speaking to the pre-Christian as we consider this treasure of Christ. What does it mean? Trying to make sense of all these things, perhaps you are. Consider this quote. There is far more to Christianity than an attempt to make sense of things. Is that where you are? If you don't consider yourself a Christian, are you trying to make sense of things? intellectually, emotionally, culturally. He says there's far more to Christianity than that. He says the New Testament is primarily concerned with the transformation of human existence through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. How about that? Let's get to the, the crux of it. It's about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and transformation through him. He continues and says the gospel is thus not so much about explanation as about salvation. The transformation of the human situation. The human situation. 2020. This reality we live in. Where's the hope of the world? The gospel of Jesus is a treasure. It's a pearl. If you consider yourself to be someone who doesn't believe, let me tell you, the treasure is in Christ, in Christ alone. I know you've got intellectual questions. I know you've got emotional questions. I know you have questions about culture. And those questions are valid. But listen, if you don't follow Christ, our hope is this, that you would see the power of transformation that you would see that, that the human situation is addressed by Jesus of Nazareth through his life and his death and his resurrection. That's the hope. And so I have a response from you, pre-Christian. It's this, people who receive the kingdom, this is the evidence I believe, people who receive the kingdom treasure it more than anything else. That's the evidence like of belief. People who actually go all in and receive the treasure, the pearl of great price, the kingdom, treasure it more than anything else. Think about Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was hanged by the Nazis because he was a part of the resistance against the Nazis. He laid it all on the line. Why? Because he knew the treasure of Jesus was worth more than anything. How about Paul? We've talked about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was beheaded for his faith. I'm sure that he had the opportunity to renounce Christ and say, yeah, I don't believe that. I'll keep my head. But he didn't. He went all in. Why? Because the treasure, because the pearl is worth it. A person really convinced of the importance of salvation will give up everything to win Christ and eternal life. So if you're a pre-Christian, in love, 
prayerfully, I say this. Will you be convinced of the importance of salvation and give up everything to win Christ in eternal life? That's our hope, straightforward. No strings attached. The hope is in Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the hope of transformation in this 2020 human situation. So that's our second audience, the pre-Christian. Quickly, I want to turn to the third audience. And the third audience is the church. Not the building. We are the church, the people. The people who follow Christ together, the family of God. This movement that we're a part of. I want to speak to the church. I'm speaking today specifically to Christ Church, though I would say, if you're a member of another church, this is pertinent to you. This, is, this call is pertinent to you, I believe. Let's go back to our parable. You know, the parable of the hidden treasure in the field, the parable of the pearl, is about seeing and savoring Christ and his saving work above all things. We've said this in different ways this morning. Okay, that's what the parable's about. Seeing Christ, savoring Christ, his saving work. It's greater than anything else. It's above everything else. And I believe there's another point about this. The point of this parable is to bring as many people into an all-in kind of relationship with Jesus. That's the point of this. You know, we think about the personal application. It's for us. It's for the Christian. But look at, look at this. It's not just for us. It's for other people. We want other people to know the treasure. We want other people to know the pearl, to see its value, to find its worth. That's what our motivation is. The point is to bring as many people into an all-in kind of relationship with Christ. One of the things that drew me to Christ Church a year ago is our vision. I love our vision. Do you know our vision statement? Oh, come on, people. You got to know the vision statement. We've got a great vision statement. Here's what it is. To call our world to Christ. Very simple. We should all memorize that, by the way. We should all know that vision statement. To call our world to Christ. That is our vision. You know what that means? Share, share, share. That's what Christ Church at Grove Farm is all about. We share the gospel. We spread the gospel. That's what Jesus came to do. Share, share, share. Spread, spread, spread. Hey, are we growing? We should be growing. Because if we are sharing the gospel, if we're spreading the gospel, we should see growth among our number. We should see people coming to Christ. There should be testimonies and stories. Share, share, share. Spread, spread, spread. Our vision is to call our world to Christ. I want to show you how this has been happening on a global scale through missions. We've got a quick video I want you to watch. Check this out. This is the history of how we have spread and shared God's word through global missions. has led the charge for our congregation to bring the good news of Christ throughout the world. It's a church for the past 15 years. The student ministries have been focused on reaching the least of these. For middle school, we've been going to Jamaica. Our focus has been in this amazing school for the deaf. And we were able to come alongside and help them build a school, build classrooms. Why? Because we want to love on the outcast. Specifically for our high school students, they went to the Bahamas and they served in an HIV camp. 
These are men and women destined to die very soon. Where others wouldn't go, our high school students were willing. And they went, they loved on these men and women. They shared the gospel, they hugged, they prayed. They did great ministry. Back in 2016, when our church started going to the DR, I saw so much change in the two years I was there. It was incredible. They were all very discouraged and just like, oh, nothing's ever going to change. And by the fourth trip, the people had changed dramatically. As a congregation are moving forward with a commitment in Cambodia to go, give, and pray for the Khmer. We are praying for a movement to go across the whole nation. It's been incredible to see the heartbeat of our students, of our church, with giving and sending and all that we've done. Why? For the least of these, because that's Jesus' heartbeat. So again, I'm talking to the church here. And as we consider the treasure, the pearl of great price, we recognize that we have a responsibility to, to bring as many people as possible into that all-in, understanding the treasure and the pearl, that kind of relationship. And so we believe in missions. Look, we're very committed to unreached people across the globe and those who are destitute. Those are the two groups, the unreached and the destitute. And I, give you a very, I can give you a very practical way today that you all can engage with us in this mission work, this call to bring everyone into an understanding of the all-in treasure of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's how we can do this. Learn, pray, give, go. Learn, pray, give, go. Those are the ways we can do this. I'm going to give you some very attainable steps for you to take with this. First of all, let's educate ourselves. We have in the commons right now something known as the unreached people group wall. And you'll see these, these vinyl banners placed throughout the commons. I'd encourage you to go and look at these. And what you have there is a record of all of the unreached people groups across the globe. It's going to blow you away. Did you know that there are over 7,000 unreached people groups across the globe? That equates to over 3 billion people. I mean, think about that. 3 billion people. 42% of the global population is what we would consider unreached with the gospel. You'll see there are three banners dedicated to India alone. And so go and learn. Learn about the fact that there's a great need for people to know the treasure of Jesus, to know the pearl of God's love for us through him. First thing is learn. We want you to pray. You know, we're praying on Wednesday nights. We encourage you to participate in that way. Look, you could pray as you go around and look at these names of unreached people groups. Perhaps the Lord will have one that stands out to you. And you'll adopt that people group and pray over them. That they would discover the treasure of Jesus. That they would discover the pearl of the kingdom of God. You could pray in that way. You could also give, of course. 
You know, we took up tithes and offerings earlier today. The baskets are in the back. And I say that not so that we can keep the lights on in this place. I say that so that we can reach people with the message of the treasure of Jesus Christ, right? That's what we want to do. We want to use the tithes and the offerings that are given to us so that we can bring as many people as possible into an all-in kind of relationship with Jesus. That's what we take away from this parable as an action step as a church. And then we want you to go as well. Go to our website. Learn about ways that you can engage in missions. You may say, well, I'm not going, I can't go overseas. Well, we're not going overseas right now, period, are we? But even if we can never, ever go again on a global mission trip, we will be committed to global missions. And we'll pray, we'll send money, we'll train up people to go as long-term missionaries, we'll train up people to be short-term ministries. Why? Because we desire for everyone to know the treasure of Jesus. Is anyone with me out there? Okay, good. I like it, I like it. Okay. I'll repeat this again. I said at the beginning of the message, the point of the kingdom is that we might be the material reality of Jesus in the world. And so church, there's a calling for us. As we close, I want to turn this parable inside out. And this is important. We've talked about it from the perspective of the Christian. We've we've talked about the pre-Christian. We've talked about the church, but I want to turn it inside out for you. Because I want you to see this in another light as well, and this is important. You know, we talk about the treasure, and the treasure being the kingdom of God, the treasure being Christ and his reign. But I believe there's another application too. You see, the treasure, if we look at it through the lens of John 3, 16, is us, the people. People are God's treasure. I mean, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God looks at the world, he sees people as the treasure. And you know what he did because he saw that treasure and he saw the value in it? He went and he bought the field. He bought the pearl. And how did he do that? With the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is the good news of the kingdom of God. God has loved the world, seen the world as a treasure, and went and bought the field, bought the pearl with everything he has, the very best that he has, his son Jesus and his blood, that we might be a part of his family. Isn't it amazing? These parables are so rich and so deep. And it means something to us. So again, I'll, I'll turn to you, pre-Christian. Let me ask you a question, pre-Christian. What will it take to persuade you that Jesus is worthwhile? I know there's lots of questions. But I could tell you this. Transformation in a world that's broken down is what you desperately want and need. I believe it. And through his life and his death and resurrection, Jesus of Nazareth offers it. What will it take to persuade you Jesus is worthwhile? I believe he's walking among us even here today. Tapping some of you on the shoulder even now. How much is eternal life worth to you? 
What will you venture? What will you lay on the table for the sake of Jesus? Will you repent? Will you confess your sin? If you do, you'll find a treasure that is great. And Christian, I got a question for you. Where is your treasure? If you're a Christian, what is it do you really value? Is it, is it money? Is it achievement? What are you really after? Where is your treasure, Christian? What will you cherish? Will you cherish Jesus more than anything else? Christian, what will you venture for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom? I'll tell you this, Paul, he said this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything else he said is a loss. Everything else is, is, is garbage compared to the treasure of Jesus. And so church, will you consider the pearl that is the church? It's interesting. Pearls are formed in a way that's hidden away from the human eye. You can't see it. It happens in the dark. It happens in a concealed place. In the same way, the church, the kingdom of God is coming to pass even in these days in ways that may not be seen by the human eye. But church, we can be a part of it. Make no mistake about it. In a 2020 world, will you see Christ and his saving work above everything else all about that will you be the material reality of Jesus and of the kingdom in this world church what will we venture for the cause of Jesus man I put these big questions before us and talk is cheap may we be a people who answer these things in the affirmative through our lives you know, we're going to sing after we pray here a song that I think is a great response for us. We're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. We're going to say, Christ is my reward and all of my salvation. Today, I want that to be your prayer. I challenge you to declare your commitment to the treasure and pearl of Jesus Christ through your singing and through your voice and through your standing with us. So would you stand as we pray and close? Oh God, thank you so much for the treasure of Jesus. Thank you, God, for the pearl of your kingdom. And Lord, you have, through Christ, made us your treasure. Through his blood, you have paid and purchased us as your people. We thank you for that, God. In response, God, I pray that we would be a people who are all about telling everyone about the treasure of Jesus, that we would share, share, share. I pray, Lord, we wouldn't settle for imitations, rip-offs, only the real Jesus. And Lord, if there's anyone who's in that pre-Christian category, I pray that that person would discover that salvation is worth every single bit that we could ever give to. Thank you, God, for the treasure of your kingdom come through Jesus Christ. 
We pray in his name. Amen.